Hi there, and welcome back to Romanticy, a podcast by Dipsy. I'm your host, Faye Keegan. Okay, this week we have Wings of Winter, episode five, and the spice is really spicing in this one after a little bit of slow burn last week. Uh, And this scene was especially fun to write for one major reason. In this episode, we have another spicy scene, but we get to incorporate some of Rowan's special magical powers. So at Dipsy, a lot of the stories we write, most of the stories we create are not fantasy. They are aspirational reality, kind of like the best possible version of the world as it exists today. Um, But when we write fantasy, which is really fun, we can incorporate magical powers and we kind of do whatever we want. Like we're writing the rules from nothing. We're writing the universe ourselves. And that can be both extremely exciting and huge opportunity as writers and creators, but also kind of like challenging and almost paralyzing. Like you want it to be good. You want to use the tools at your disposal, which is anything you can think of to make the sex extra spicy, but you don't want it to be like ridiculous or goofy or cheesy. And that balance can be kind of hard to strike. Personally, I think we nailed it in this episode and actually did, I think, even a better job in a few episodes, but I will let you decide for yourself. As a reminder, you can listen to the whole series right now on the Dipsy app, and you can get 30 days free by using code Romanticy at dipsystories.com. That's D-I-P-S-E-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S.com slash Romanticy for 30 days free. But I think I've certainly talked enough, so here it is. The next episode of Wings of Winter. You and I survived the first challenge just barely. With an amulet won and an amulet stolen, we made it to the clearing minutes before the game makers called it to an end. We embraced in celebration as the game makers' eagle cry echoed in the dark sky. And for a moment, I let myself breathe in your scent. Leather and dirt. And yet still, something sweet. I did not know the scent. But what I did know was that every immortal competitor, game maker, and spectator was watching us. I stepped back and pushed you off me, although it pained me to pull my hands from your skin and leave you unguarded, especially in a crowd of enemies. I located Hawthorne in the ring of enemy eyes. Her glare was burning into your back from across the clearing. She then shifted her gaze to me, her fury evident on her face. I was relieved she had made it to the next game, but I would need to make sure she didn't seek revenge for your trick with the amulet. Allying myself to a human and a trickster at that was leading to some inevitable complications. But for the moment, I would rest and enjoy the moment of victory. We had made it through the first challenge, alive, intact, and with limited bloodshed. The opening fire was tomorrow night. I needed food and sleep if I were to attend. And in my father's eyes, my attendance was mandatory. The opening fire was intended to honor the competitors who made it through the first game. But like most royal revelry, it was just mostly an excuse for immortals to get pissed drunk on the enchanted mead and indulge in the many luxuries and pleasures that my father's summer court offered its elite guests. The event often became a magical orgy of sorts. The Fae never did do things halfway, and the lingering danger of the competition was a powerful aphrodisiac. 
The ride back from Dreadmorn Grove was long and tiresome. I took stock of who remained. Three had perished in the woods and twelve competitors remained. By the time the carriages arrived back at the castle, I was desperate to return to my chambers. Once inside, I found a fire burning and a bath drawn for me. I was filthy from my trek through the bog. Mud was caked to my boots and my lips were salty with sweat. Lowering myself into a deep tub was of utmost priority, yet I froze when I saw it. A note pinned to the linens draped on the side of my tub, and this time, my father's looping handwriting was unmistakable. I snatched up the parchment and began to read. To my youngest, you've made it through the first game. I'm pleased. I wish you the best in the remaining games. But tread lightly and remember the king and court you serve. The alliance with the human is unbecoming of your rank and dangerous for the realm. It ends now. I tore the letter up and tossed the fragments into the crackling fire beside me. My father was not one to make threats idly. If I disobeyed, there would be consequences. As the pieces of his missive became smoke and ash, dread and anger settled in my center. My father exerting his control upon me was nothing new, of course. But still, to feel his hands attempt to control my fate enraged me. How dare he treat me as nothing but a wayward child. But more than that, I was angry at myself. I had put you in danger and focused the attention of the most dangerous male in Aurora on you. I should have known that I would be watched. The royal court had eyes all over the kingdom. I was grateful that I had enchanted the cabin. At the very least, they would not know what we had done just a night ago. We would have to be very, very careful moving forward if we wanted to avoid his wrath. I crawled into bed that night more worn and weary than I'd felt in years. My mind ached as much as my body, and yet I slept fitfully. All night I dreamt of you imprisoned in a shadowy cell where I could not reach you. My father's men standing guard as you faded away, always just out of my grasp. At breakfast I kept a very careful and calculated distance from you. To my great irritation, you seemed not to notice, never sparing a glance in my direction while I kept stealing moments to look in yours. Within the castle walls, it was certainly not safe for us to speak now. For the first time in my life, I wished I had the power to convey a message without words. I wanted to warn you of the danger. I hoped you did not think I was revoking our alliance or regretful of our actions in the cabin. I did not want to be the fey ass you thought me to be. I'd have to pull you aside at the opening fire when I thought no one was watching. It was a small opportunity when my father and hopefully the rest of his spies would be distracted. I was not looking forward to the party, but I knew it would be frowned upon to be absent and it was a rare window to communicate with you. But I dragged my feet anyway. While being there was required, being late was not a crime. So I waited until the night's breeze carried the lyre song into my open window and the moon was high overhead. Very reluctantly, I pulled on my silk tunic and metal breastplate, 
put my sword into its scabbard and headed out into the warm summer night, making my way to the old fairy fen where the party would be in full swing. The clearing was crowded with immortals of all sorts, competitors, royals, and those who had traveled far from within the region. The smell of incensed smoke poured from the central bonfire and hung in the air, swirling in a hazy fog around the revelers. In the middle of the clearing was a pond, and within that pond was a small earthen island. That was where the magical fire burned. The water reflected and amplified the blue lick of the enchanted flame, and around the shore, Fae, elves, and witches moved in traditional dance. Their movements were loose and languid as they circled around the island. I felt myself wanting to move closer, but I knew that it was an enchanted dance, very difficult to stop once you started. Even immortals would sometimes go round and round until they collapsed. As I meandered closer, I heard the snap of branches close to me a noise through the trees to my left. I looked and saw two witches and an elf locked in the throes of lovemaking. Their limbs were tangled like magic vines. One of the witches looked up at me, her hungry amber eyes ablaze. She motioned to me, inviting me closer. The cool edge of my sobriety had felt sharp against the warm haze of the party-goers. I shook my head and quickly walked away. Sweet fucking hellfire, I needed a drink if I were to get through this night. I made my way down the hillside to a cauldron far from the fire where an elf ladled mead into jugs. I was handed a steaming cup of the stuff and then I felt a large hand clap my back. The liquid sloshed on my hand as the booming sound of a familiar fey voice hit my ears. Impressive performance in the first game, little brother, he said. I suppressed a groan. It was my second oldest brother, Ash. Tell me, he continued, where is your ally? I want to get a look at her as well. And of course, extend my warmest congratulations. I am not Hawthorne's keeper, I answered solemnly. Surely you don't think me so stupid, brother, he said. I do not catch your meaning, Ash, I replied. Did you think to keep your sweet little human pet a secret? He asked. He smiled at me menacingly and his teeth shone in the moonlight. She's no pet, I growled, and my wings rustled, threatening to burst through the back of my tunic. And certainly not mine, I asserted, but I tasted the lie on my tongue as surely as he did. Some fay had an affinity for that. Don't get all worked up, little brother, Ash said. Father is mad as a bull, but personally, I think it's quite sweet that you found a wee creature to keep you company. His voice dripped with condescension for me, but also for you. I was used to my brother's abuse of me. It is how most Fae families were, but his derision of you was untenable. I had to breathe slowly and carefully through my nose so that my magic or my fist would not slam him against the ground. I kept my silence, but he was relentless, aware of the effect he was having on me. Oh look, that's her there, isn't it? 
He pointed towards a clearing across the way. And I saw you standing with my eldest and least favorite brother, Kieran. Perhaps she is seeking a new master, Rowan. One with a little more sway here at court, or perhaps a little more prowess in the bedchamber. Humans always were our greediest little subjects. And with that final jab, Ash winked and walked away. Satisfied with the work he had done on me, I was already having trouble controlling my anger and my magic, but the sight of you standing with Kieran nearly sent me over the edge. While all my brothers were terrible and dangerous, he was certainly the worst. A few shades crueler than the other two, and many shades preferred by my father. I was obligated to look up to him, to love him, to put my loyalty to my bloodline above all else. But Kieran was a tyrant. I detested his fucking fey guts. I gripped my chalice so tightly I could feel the metal acquiescing to the magic in my fingers, the very shape of the cup changing shape in my hand. Relax, I told myself. I felt the echo of my words to Ash, my defensive declaration that you were not mine. How at odds it was with the jealousy and anger so strong it nearly clouded my vision. I had never lied so completely to my brother or myself. And then I saw you laugh at Kieran, throwing back your head with mirth. My brother is cunning and fierce, a terribly talented warrior, but one thing he is not is funny. Were you attempting to charm him as an act of strategy? Even if that were the case, it made my blood boil. To be fair, I had no real claim over you. You were my ally, nothing more. But for you to be so openly conversing with the future king, it was unwise. The last thing you needed to do right now was attract more attention. And you certainly were. You were wearing a corseted silk dress, the color of the blue mountains in the distance. It slipped like water over your curves. A far cry from the dusty battle leathers I was used to seeing you in. Your hair was tied into elaborate braids with wildflowers woven into the plates and the amulet you'd stolen from Hawthorne gleamed around your neck. You looked breathtakingly beautiful, but it was more than that. You were an anomaly, a human warrior among a hundred immortals, and the first mortal to move past the first challenge of the gleaning ever. Everyone here would be curious about you. No doubt both my brothers already were and all the competitors would want to kill you. Some may think having any human make it this far could be a dangerous and destabilizing symbol. I had intended to tell you tonight that we would need to be more discreet. That plan just got a hundredfold more complicated. I needed to warn you about my father's threat, but wasn't sure how to do it without creating even more of a scene. I could not approach you openly. And even with your huntress skills, this party was a dangerous place for you to be. You were surrounded by enemies, but I needed to get you away from my brother. Now. But if I confronted you, I would draw even more attention. I'd have to send a message without speaking. And I knew just the old spell to do it. The Filium Invisibilia enchantment. With it, I could create an invisible thread. All I'd have to do was extend my magic to wrap it around you. 
Then I could pull from my end, quietly drawing you into the forest and back towards the castle in safety. For the plan to work, you'd need to not panic. And for once, listen to me. I walked towards the dark tree line, hidden behind the large, gnarled trunk of an old oak pine. I closed my eyes and resettled my magic. Then I opened them, honed my focus on you, and muttered the ancient incantation under my breath. I could not see it, but I could feel the quivering electric thread unspooling from my hand and out across the grass towards you. I commanded it to wrap gently around your wrists, soft enough that you might not even notice it. I knew if I startled you, your warrior instincts may kick in. So I tugged on my hand as softly as I could, almost imperceptibly. You looked down, surprise flickering in your eyes when you didn't see anything. Then I tugged again, just as softly, and you looked in my direction. When you finally noticed me, your face flashed with anger. You tugged back on the thread sharply, obviously angry. You struggled to maintain your gregarious demeanor with Kieran, but he was luckily distracted by the elf to his left. When his focus slipped off of you, you snuck away. As you crossed through the field of wildflowers in my direction, your ire was clear. What in the many gods' names do you think you are doing, Rowan, you spat? Release me. I received a message from my father. And? You asked angrily. He told me to break our alliance, I said. He threatened you and me both. I don't see how that explains this. Whatever this magic stuff is around my wrists, you sputtered, still angry. I needed to get you alone without anyone noticing, I said. I was simply enjoying the opening fire, you huffed. You were making a scene, I retorted. A scene? You think I was making a scene? How rich, you said. Everyone was watching you flirt with my brother. You laughed angrily at me then, and the sound of it was like molten lava falling over rocks. So that's what this is about then, Rowan. You said, you're jealous. I am not jealous. This magic leash around my wrist says otherwise, you said. Damn you to hellfire, human. I am trying to make sure we both don't get killed, I said. My magic boiled under my skin and my wings itched. My fingers wanted to reach out and grab you. You're infuriating, I nearly shouted. You're reckless and arrogant and ignore my orders when I am only trying to protect you. Why don't you stop talking and do something about it then, Rowan? You said. Your eyes daring me to stake my claim. Using magic, I pinned your wrists above your head to the pine oak. Then I spun invisible thread around the trunk so you were fastened to it. Your feline eyes sparkled with excitement. You struggled against the restraints, but I could see from your smile you were enjoying yourself. A warrior like me, you liked the fight. The huntress becomes the hunted, I growled. And what are you going to do now that you have me, you asked. I stepped closer to you and wrapped my hand around your jaw. I'm going to take what's mine, I said. I kissed you hungrily and you moaned into my mouth. The sound of it released my wings and they tore through my tunic. I 
crush my body against yours, pinning you to the ancient tree. My cock was already straining against my breeches. I was growing hard and the increasing pressure was dancing on the fine line between pleasure and pain. As if you could sense my very thoughts, you ground yourself against me. Sweet gods above, I reached my hand between your legs and hoisted your long skirts around your waist, finding the sweet wetness of you already waiting for me. You weren't wearing any rune silks. I forgot myself for a moment and groaned loudly. What in hellfire were you doing to me, human? Only a moment ago, I was preaching that we needed to be careful, that we might get killed if our allyship continued, and now... Now your legs were wrapped around your waist and you were biting my lip with that sweet mouth of yours. This was absolute, immortal insanity. Don't you dare make me wait a moment longer, Rowan, you moaned. We must be quiet, human. Very, very quiet, I warned. I'll do whatever you ask of me, you said. Say that again, I growled, pulling my hand back and leaving you wanting. Oh, shut up and fuck me already, you said. I shredded your dress with magic, then ripped the strings from my breeches, tearing them off. Last, I ripped the magic bonds on your wrists so you could wrap your arms around me. Then I grabbed your hips and lifted you up so you could slide onto my cock. I pushed your back against the trunk and steadied my breath. It would take all my restraint not to split you in two. Then I began to pump into you, slow, long strokes. I wanted to give you a moment to get used to the size of me. I could sense you were holding your breath and knew that I was larger than any lover you'd had before. Harder, you moan. And I wrapped one hand around your mouth. We were barely concealed. Behind the tree, I could see immortals dancing around the fire, drinking mead, enjoying the merriment. Little did they know I was taking you here, making you mine. My hunger for you was insatiable. I pounded into you faster and harder, and my wings opened in full. You're mine, I growled, and you buried your head into my neck. I would not last much longer, but I was desperate to feel your unraveling before mine. To feel you tighten around me. I shifted my magic so it was pressed against your most sensitive part as I pumped into you over and over. Sensing your excitement, I used more magic. I sent waves of warmth into your breasts. Your entire body was rippling with pleasure. And feeling yours sent me over the edge. I erupted inside you as you came undone. We both struggled to catch our breath. In silence, we settled down together. You unwrapped yourself from around me, and I magicked the shreds of your dress back into place. Even minutes later, I could not begin to believe what we'd done. 